Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for this morning and um, your presence with us, that as we gather, as your people, as your church, Father, you, uh, you meet with us as well. And so we want to open our hearts and our minds up to you to be able to hear from you what you want to speak to us today. And God, I continue to pray uh, that I would not be a detriment to that, uh, but that uh, in your way, you would use me to be able to speak uh, what you want to speak this morning. So, Spirit, uh, move amongst us. Remind us of the things that we have been taught uh, in the life of Jesus uh, through the love of the Father, and draw our hearts and minds towards you. In Christ's name I pray, amen. For me growing up, uh, music was an incredibly powerful thing. It it continues to be, um, but there were uh, times that I remember where music was uh, something that I turned to, where music was something that caught my attention, where music was something that I... um, that I would spend a lot of my time listening to and singing. I have memories of, uh, of different kinds of songs and, and, and different, um, different music specifically that would draw my attention. I, I, I wasn't very committed to Jesus growing up. For me, I would say that I became a Christian when I was 15, and so um, I hadn't been listening to uh, worship music or Christian artists or anything like that, but I was listening to different things uh, in my room, and I would sing, and I would wail, and, and uh, they, would, they would sometimes capture uh, my interest because I thought that I sounded good singing them. You, I thought that I sounded good singing them. I wasn't quite sure. I'm sure the music playing in the background really helped me think uh, that I was matching tone to tone with the people who were there. Uh, other times, there was a there was a certain emotion that was within the music, like a heartache, or or it captured my sense of of loneliness and teenage angst and all these sorts of things. Uh, and I would sing it in my room, and and sometimes I I don't I don't think I realized, but I would have my window open. I would sing out my window like a really terrible Rapunzel. Uh, <laughs> that nobody was coming to visit and nobody wanted uh, to come into the window. Uh, but I didn't realize, I think, that people would probably hear it as I sang out the window. Uh, it was just something that I, I loved fresh air and, and all that sort of stuff. Kids are, kids are strange. Anyway, um, I remember singing, uh, you know, trying to challenge my voice sometimes and hit those high notes in, in, uh, in Aha's song, Take On Me, or, or, or trying to sing along with, with Boys to Men and their, their heart-rending rendition of End of the Road, or, or uh, the, the angst of some of the 90s grunge music like Our Lady Peace, and, and then singing along with, uh, with hair metal bands like Bon Jovi and Def Leppard. Uh, and just the different songs that were there. When I became, uh, when I started going to youth group and, and, and paying attention to church, one of the first things that, that drew me, I think, to pay closer attention was music. That was the first thing that really captured my attention that Jesus used, uh, I think, to uh, begin speaking to me. I remember going to uh, a retreat between uh, our youth group in Summerland uh, and a youth group in Kamloops, and that there were um, youth, there were other like teenagers like me who were leading music, who would get up and they would have their guitars and there would be other instruments and they would be leading these songs. And I remember, I don't remember what songs they were, but I remember them uh, resonating with me, that it was exciting to me, that it wasn't my mom in an auto harp that I was used to uh, in the church that I grew up in, but it was, uh, it was other people singing songs that, that captured my attention. And I think that God really used that uh, to 
to draw me to him. I remember going on retreats with our youth group and, and there were different uh, cassette tapes, cassette tapes that were played. They weren't A-tracks, so I'm not that old, but <laughs> different cassette tapes that were played in our, in our giant van as we went. And, and the first Christian artist that captured my imagination was Jars of Clay and their first, uh, their first album that they had and the song specifically, Worlds Apart, uh, that was on there. I remember uh, different songs by different people capturing my attention and, and drawing me into the presence of God. Uh, David Crowder Band's version of Obsession um, was a song that, that drew me to God. God of Wonders is still a song that, that I, I love to hear and I love to sing, and, and it's a go-to on my guitar when it's just uh, me by myself. Be Thou My Vision would probably be the first hymn that I think I sang that, that really captured my attention. But music is such a powerful thing when it comes to God and expressing to God or, or hearing from God. I remember talking with a friend of mine who, um, after a young adults retreat, he was driving on his own and he was behind us and I had lent him uh, one of my CDs and he was listening to it. And he said that as he was driving through the mountains and he just came around a corner and, and something about uh, the song that was being sung, the words or even the chord progression, the emotion that's there, and then coming around a corner and there was sun shining and in the mountains and trees and snow, that he said that he was just uh, close to weeping. Uh, because of because of the power um, that I think God was speaking to him through that um, through that song and through <clears throat> nature around him, I imagine that a lot of us have had experiences like this as we've been uh, connected to church that we would likely all be able to share um, a, a certain memory that we have, whether it be a concert that we were a part of, where we were swept up in what was going on, whether it be a hymn sing that we were a part of, even a church service or a CD or a band practice, different places where music has gripped our hearts, that Jesus has used it to turn our attention towards him. Music is powerful, and music that is also worship can be overwhelmingly powerful. What I'm doing within, what I have done for the last three weeks and what I'm going to end uh, today uh, in my series in looking at the things that I learned about prayer when I was in the, uh, the Asian Spice region of our denomination uh, on, a, on a mission trip. And I've said that uh, I've learned about the fact that prayer is not a gift, that prayer is a calling for all people. It's not, that, it's not something that just a few uh, are supposed to be involved with, are gifted to be involved with, but it is a command and a calling for all of us. That prayer is work, that it is something that involves uh, energy and effort from us and concentration, but it is also something that accomplishes things, that it gets things done, that there are things that can only be accomplished and that can only be done through prayer. And that we are to not pray alone. Obviously, we are to get away to be with Jesus, but even when we're with Jesus, we are not by ourselves, we are with him, we are to listen for him, but there's also great great benefit uh, in praying with one another, great support from praying with others, uh, and, uh, and inspiration that can come as well as we pray together. And the last lesson that I wanted to share with you um, is a lesson that uh, we, we learned often in our time in China. Um, oop, there it is. <laughs> in our time in the Asian Spice region, and it is that uh, worship is prayer. That worship is prayer. Um, we, I have some pictures. I just want to maybe get that first one up there. Uh, this is the team uh, that we, we went to uh, this, this region with. And um, uh, the guy on, the, on, on this side uh, is named Brian, and he uh, is a gifted worship leader. 
And he would often, when we, when we gathered together, we would sing. He would lead us. There were certain songs that we chose that we would sing quite often uh, as we were together, but that is a, a big part of what we did when we were there. Worship is prayer. I, I want to just briefly talk about what, what worship is, um, because so often within the Christian world, and even what I'm going to be doing right now is that when I say worship, I will often be referring to music, but that is not the only thing that worship is. Dallas Willard, uh, somebody that I uh, read and and follow and admire, has said that worship is uh, the intentional turning of the mind, and I would say also the heart and the soul, to God. That worship is the intentional turning of the mind, heart, soul to God, and ascribing to God all of the greatness and goodness and glory that belongs to him. That that would be a good definition of what worship is. Now you can sing and not worship. You can sing a song that you have sung uh, many, many times before. In fact, I imagine that, that many of us have found ourselves in this place and we are not really having our minds turned towards God. We are not really ascribing things to him. We might be uh, singing because, or as we're singing, we're just kind of going through the motions. We're in church. We maybe didn't want to come to church, and somebody chose a song that we didn't like, and so, well, we're just going to sing it, and there we go. It may be that during singing, you sometimes, like me, get focused on your own voice and how, how awesome you can sound. <laughs> I remember being in a, in a worship service in, in our youth group, and our youth pastor was a gifted singer, and he could harmonize, and he was just, his tone was great, he was just awesome, and I remember being beside him uh, and, singing, and, and singing a few songs, and, and after the service, a lady turned around and looked at him, and she said, oh, I've just so enjoyed sitting in front of you this time. Your voice is so beautiful, and all of a sudden, these wheels started turning in my mind. It's like, oh, if I could sing really well, people could pay attention to me, <laughs> and that some Sometimes when I am uh, not uh, letting God turn my heart towards him or I am not working at doing that, that is where my mind can go, is that I'm hoping that maybe people will notice uh, the wonderful sound of my voice or the not-so-wonderful sound. I mean, sometimes that happens too, right? (laughs) That we can sing and we can not worship because our minds, our hearts, our our souls are not actually uh, turned towards God. And you can also worship and and not sing. That there are some of you who um, maybe you're just waiting for our singing time to be over so that we can do other things within the service. There are some of you who maybe because you feel like you can't carry a tune, singing for you is not something. Although I know people who can't carry a tune and love it and sing loud and it's great (laughs) because it's it's about the heart and it's about the passion. It's not so much about the sound. So you can worship and not sing. There are other activities, any activity really that you can be involved in, whether it be your work, whether it be your hobby, you can intentionally turn your mind towards God. You can turn your heart, you can turn your soul towards him. You can ascribe to God all of the greatness and goodness and glory that belongs to him as you cross-country ski out in the wilderness and you are impressed by the nature that is around you, you are able to worship in a number of different things as you intentionally turn your mind towards God. So you can sing and not worship, but you can also worship and not sing. That you can put your mind uh, onto God intentionally. And as we do that, as we turn our mind, our hearts, and our souls to God, 
I believe that we are involved in prayer. What else is prayer than turning our hearts and our minds to him, listening for him, and then speaking to him, uh, and, and even asking for blessings for others or blessings for ourselves, direction, guidance, uh, and such. <clears throat> so I truly believe that as, as we learned on our trip to the Asian Spice region, that worship is prayer. And that there's something about there's something about singing. There's something about music that carries a certain power to it. That music is powerful. That music is emotional. That music is intellectual. That music is something that we participate in. That there is great power behind it as we take it. And in, in the writing of it, we have intentionally ascribed glory to God, but also in the singing of it, in the playing of it. We intentionally uh, turn our minds to God and we ascribe to him the greatness, the goodness, and the glory that belongs there. And so I believe that as we worship, we pray. That in singing, that in music, we actually involve a lot of who we are, not just our minds, but also our hearts and our souls uh, in, uh, in the time that we have there. So many of our prayer times when we were away, uh, so many of our prayer times when we were preparing to go away involved worship. They would always start with worship. They would always start with music and singing. And there was something special about that. There was a, uh, a melting away of resistance. There was a drawing into the presence of God that was able to happen in that way uh, that was not able to happen necessarily in other ways. That as we worshipped, I truly believed we prayed, uh, and then we uh, prayed, prayed as well after that. <clears throat> One of the other things that we learned when we were away, or I learned, I don't know that other people learned this, they probably already knew this, um, but that worship, worship is prayer, but also worship is a weapon. Worship is a weapon. Paul, in Ephesians chapter 2 and Ephesians chapter 6, throughout the letter of Ephesians, but specifically in these places, uh, speaks to the unseen world, speaks to uh, or about the, the spiritual reality that we exist in. Ephesians chapter 2, um, 1 to 2, Paul says this, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, and then goes on to describe in another way, what it was for somebody to be disobedient and what it was for somebody to be sinful. And he says, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. So Paul paints this picture that there is powers within this world. Powers that are not God, but that are still strong. And that he says those who are not following God, those who are disobedient to God, are actually obeying the devil. And that he is the spirit at work in their hearts. That, that Jesus refers to Satan, Lucifer, uh, the demons, uh, and, and specifically Satan, sorry, as the prince of this world. That there is a level of power that he has um, within this place. Paul goes on then to say later on in, in Ephesians chapter 6, uh, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. 
Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. That Paul speaks of our reality here uh, and speaks of the powers that, that he has already referred to uh, and as well God's powers as being in a battle, uh, in a war. And you come across this in different times uh, within the Old Testament, within, within the book of Revelation, within different uh, places that there is a war going on. There are unseen places and there are battles that are being fought within those unseen places. And that we are called to put on armor to protect ourselves against that, but then also uh, we are told to take up weapons to, to fight within that. That we are not fighting against flesh and blood, but we are fighting against spiritual powers. Before we go on, I do want to acknowledge and just say, in bringing this up, God is more powerful than any other force within this world. And because of the cross, because of uh, the victory that has come through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, um, the battle's been won. God is the victor. But there is still power uh, that these other forces that Paul is referring to has. That we as Christians, I don't believe, are to be afraid uh, of other powers, but we are to be aware that there uh, are ways in which uh, the, the enemies of our souls, uh, the demons of this world, the spirits uh, here can influence uh, people and can, can have power in different situations. It's something that we are to be aware of, not to be afraid of. If we can go to the, the next picture, I think. Um, one of the things that we did within uh, our, our third region, or I guess it was the fourth one, but it was like a day stopover in our third region. In the, in the third major region that we were in was we did go to uh, temples of, uh, of a particular religion that exists uh, within, within the area that we were. Uh, and, and the intention of going to uh, these temples was to see uh, this expression of religion within this area, but it was also to pray, that we were to go um, not to pray against uh, the unseen powers and authorities, because we didn't have the authority to do that, um, uh, is what our, our, the international workers who were with us felt, but that we could go and we could invite Jesus, we could invite the Holy Spirit into these places. Um, and that we were there to sort of uh, see and experience uh, what it is that was going on. This, this particular religion, interestingly enough, is one that is touted as uh, very peaceful. Yet, as we went and we wandered into different spaces of worship uh, within these, these temples, the images on the walls were, were violent and grotesque, that actually this expression of this particular religion involves um, invoking 
uh, evil spirits to protect you from other evil spirits. It's quite strange uh, to a certain degree, but we had different people talking to us about it and speaking to us uh, about it. And as we went into these different areas, there were definitely different places uh, where those who were more gifted to sense things could feel as though there was oppression and unease uh, in the places that were there. But one of the things that the, one of the international workers told us was that when people engaged in um, acts of worship, that there were worshipful acts, that there were things that people did that would offer praises to these forces, that when people did those things, and I believe with the intention to worship, um, they said that they could sense the dark forces come rushing. That there were certain things that took part that would make uh, that would make the international workers just feel very uncomfortable because they knew uh, that there were dark forces that were responding to that. And these forces responded to uh, the worship of people who were intentionally ascribing to these forces um, worship. And it was really interesting. One of the people on our, on our team, again, um, brought our attention to a passage within Isaiah chapter 42, uh, verses 10 to 13 that says this, because I didn't know what to make of this, I, I, and, and you may not know what to make of this either, but I didn't really know what to make of the fact that by, by doing a certain thing, that by partaking in, in a certain thing, and we didn't do that, um, but by engaging in, in, in worship of these non-God forces, that it was not from God, that there would be that they would be stirred up, that there would be power somehow there. I didn't really know what to do with that. But Isaiah chapter 42, verse 10 to 13 says this, Sing a new song to the Lord. Sing his praises from the ends of the earth. Sing all you who sail the seas, all you who live in distant coastlands. Join in the chorus, you desert towns. Let the villages of Kedar rejoice. Let the people of Selah sing for joy, shout praises from the mountaintops. Let the whole world Glorify the Lord, let it sing his praise. That there is language of praise and worship within this. Verse 13 then says, The Lord will march forth like a mighty hero. He will come out like a warrior full of fury. And that the one individual on our team taught us and, and spoke to us about the fact that when we worship God, we stir him up. It's not that he gets power. It's not that he becomes bigger or greater because God is not changeable. He is always big. He is always great. But that as we worship God, there is a, a stirring of God, that he is stirred to action, that he comes forth, it says, like a mighty warrior. And we saw this again and again as we uh, took part in the different things that we were at uh, within this. A little bit later, we went into uh, another temple at, at a different location, and we were just sort of looking around, and, and we had prayed uh, outside of one of the, um, one of the places where uh, people offered, offered worship, and we just kind of together, you know, with our eyes open, sort of looking at each other because we weren't allowed to really be praying there. We, um, we just invited Jesus to come and, and, and protect and, uh, and guide and, and show people who he was. We then went into or tried to go into uh, one of the temples to once again kind of walk around and to uh, sort of pray on our own as we went and, and, uh, and sort of bless, uh, bless Jesus, invite him into that space. Um, but as we wandered in and as we tried to wander in, uh, the, 
priest, I guess, at the, at the front said, oh, no, 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 and like just very angrily said, you are not allowed in here. Get out of here. And there was other foreigners going through and all that kind of stuff, but they just said, no, you aren't, you aren't allowed in here. We were really excited <laughs> about that. I haven't been excited uh, to be kicked out of a place before, but I was really excited to be kicked out of that place because it felt like we were a threat because I believe we carried the Spirit of God into that place. And so we weren't allowed to go into uh, the temple, but instead we wandered around the outside of the temple. They couldn't stop us from doing that. And we sang, kind of to ourselves, just kind of under our breath, because once again, it wasn't something that we were supposed to be doing there. And I remember myself singing, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place, fill the atmosphere. Just to invite the Holy Spirit into that place so that... Uh, the forces of this world and the unseen world would fall before uh, the power of Jesus and people would be freed uh, from their blindness and they would be able to see the beauty and the power of God. Worship is a weapon that we have against the unseen forces of this world. What is heartbreaking on so many levels is that one of the most effective weapons in our arsenal, we turn against each other. One of the most effective weapons in our arsenal as Christians, we turn against each other. And we do that when we say this song and not this song. This instrument and not this instrument. Organs are the only way that we can worship God. No guitars. Oh, drums are from the devil. Only this artist can, their songs are the best. Hillsong, Passion, Bethel. We only can sing hymns. We can only sing choruses. And we've created something called the worship wars. Where we disagree about personal preferences and we've turned it into um, the thing that stops us from becoming a united body. It's one of the things that divides us that have sent people um, away from a church to a different church because, well, I just didn't, I didn't like it. And we've spiritualized it and all that kind of stuff, but to a certain degree, like we have taken what is an effective weapon and we've turned it on each other. And Satan is really happy about that, I think. He's probably the architect behind that. Because if he's to look at a weapon that is being able to be used powerfully against him, and if he can take that focus off of himself and he can direct it to the church, that it becomes a weapon of civil war, well, he's free to do whatever he wants. We've taken our preferences on music, which is a powerful thing. And we all have emotionally connected to different types of music, different artists, different styles, and that's okay. But we have turned those things into battlegrounds, and we've turned them into doctrine. We've turned them into dogma, something that we have to follow and have to obey, or that others have to obey because that's what we feel. If we can go to the next slide, we, um, in one of our, in, in our first spot, 
that we were, we were uh, involved in a couple of different services. Again, they have uh, state churches. There's underground churches or house churches that, uh, that try to operate outside of the government's eyes, but then there's uh, churches that the government knows about and, and they just are run locally that foreigners are not in, involved in leadership. Uh, and we were invited to a couple of different services. And this one, which is a picture up here, was an evening service um, on, on the Sunday evening. And we were invited there by uh, someone that our international worker in that area uh, is closely tied to, that, that she refers to him as her uh, godson. And um, we were invited there as he was speaking, as he was leading worship. Um, and, and if you've ever been to a service where you have no idea what's going on, <laughs> uh, you know that it can, be, it can be sometimes a little bit hard to uh, get involved with it, if it's, and, and specifically the different language. Um, maybe sometimes it feels like I'm speaking a different language to you, but this was literally a different language. And, uh, and I didn't understand what was going on, but this guy who was leading, who knew we were going to be there, had invited us specifically had put translations up for uh, the words. So even though we couldn't sing uh, the words, or if we did, we would sing, we'd be completely off and, and, uh, and not really sing along with what was going on. We could, he- we could hear everyone else singing uh, and, and look at the words and know what they were singing. And there was one song that came up, and I wish that I had actually uh, remembered the words and then sort of put it down, um, but it was specifically about the Holy Spirit. And... Um, you know, there was like five, ten things that I could name off to you that I didn't like about this service that could have been different. <laughs> that if I had been leading, like, nah, this is what we should have done, or this is what we should have done. And that's the danger, isn't it? Like, the more that we get involved with church, the more that you get involved in leadership in church, you can just become a critic of what's going on because we think that we know better. <sighs> But as we were here, and, and you can see like how many vocalists there are, like this, is, this was just sort of the style of music, but they began singing this song about the Holy Spirit. And everybody uh, was just passionately singing. And the words were beautiful. And, and regardless, and, and the tune sounded good, I couldn't sing along with it, but I had been in this moment just drawn into the heart of God, into worship. I didn't know the song. I even couldn't tell you the song now <laughs> other than it was about the Holy Spirit. But it was worshipful. And I don't think that it mattered. The style of it didn't matter. The way that it was done didn't matter. Like It was through the heart of the people, the, the words that I saw, that I think that I was able to then uh, ascribe glory to God and turn my heart towards Him because other people were. And if we have troubles doing that because we don't like a song, that's probably a heart issue. And we might want to look at that. I do believe that it is a trick of the evil one to turn this weapon away from him and into a civil war weapon, to take it away from the powerful expression that is able to be of unity, of togetherness, uh, and, and turn it against one another. Because there is power in worship. If we can go to the next picture. In our second region that we were in, we uh, heard a story, uh, or the international workers there had heard a story of a young doctor in the area over about a century ago who was a a foreigner uh, and who was a Christian. And that he was there during uh, some type of war or revolution. 
And this doctor in his 20s or his 30s, a single guy, uh, took care of the wounded at his own expense and risk. There was no hospital. Uh, he really acted like the hospital for this area. And within this area, foreigners, Christians, were not well thought of, but he was there specifically on mission to share with people the love of Christ by being uh, a good doctor. And it said that as he, they said that as he uh, served people, as he would care for the wounded, that he, uh, he contracted a disease of some sort, and he died from that. And that after he had died, and maybe when it was safe, it says that the government uh, had given him great honor, some sort of parade or a ceremony or something that many people attended, many uh, local national people attended um, to honor this foreign Christian doctor which was unheard of in the area and has been unheard of since. And there's a graveyard in this city where there is uh, a Christian section, this, this section right here, and we went there to pray. We had been praying in preparation and felt God leading us uh, as a group to, uh, among other purposes uh, and among other passages, that we felt God had led us to the, apologies, the passage of the Valley of the Dry Bones found in Ezekiel chapter 37 where God brings the prophet Ezekiel to a valley and there are bones everywhere and he says to him, can these bones live? And God says, prophesy to the bones. And that as Ezekiel prophesies to the bones, it says that muscle and skin grows on them. And he says, prophesy to the wind that the wind would come and fill these bones with the breath of life from God. And so Ezekiel prophesies and they are filled with breath and it says that they rise up as a vast army. And that this represents God's people of the time, but we feel, and many people have felt, that this represents God's people throughout much of history. And so we felt drawn to this graveyard as we had been thinking and praying about uh, dry bones coming to life. And as we came to this graveyard, the idea um, was that we weren't there to pray that people would come back to life. <laughs> that would be freaky. Uh, but to see the grave of this, of this young man who had been given great honor uh, in a society where foreign Christians were to have no honor, uh, and we went there to pray that his legacy, his mantle, uh, his way of being, and the power that went with that would live again among the Christians of this nation. And so we prayed. If we can go to the next passage. Or sorry, the next, uh, the next one. Paul didn't seem to like that I was taking a picture, but so what? <laughs> and so we prayed. We listened for God and, and we, we prayed what he placed on our heart to pray. Uh, and at the end of our time, uh, our international worker, a different international worker who you can't see in this picture, um, played us a song on his phone. And he, prayed, he played, Great Are You, Lord. And we worshiped together in this graveyard. Uh, and we sang out loud. Nobody really around, but it didn't even seem like uh, that was a worry or a concern on anybody's heart. And we get to this point in the, in, in near the end of the song where this, it says, and all the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry. These bones will sing. Great are you, Lord. And as we sang that, a picture came to my mind, if we can go to the next slide here, of, of rolling fog. 
that I feel as though this was a picture from God that he had given to me, that from the spot that we were, there was this fog that had been rolled out, that had started going forth, and that this was the fog of God's spirit, this was the fog of God's presence, and that it was pouring from the spot that we were on, and it was rolling out over the land. A thick cloud of God's glory. I believe God answered our prayers that day. And I believe that the victory was sealed uh, as we put our prayers into worship and song. There's power in worship. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you have given us the gift of prayer. We thank you, the, uh, the ability to pray. We thank you that you have given us the ability to worship, that we are able to sing, that we are able to turn our, our hearts and our minds towards you, to give you honor and glory. Thank you that you are worthy of this glory, that you are worthy of our praise and our attention. And God, thank you that you have gifted us worship as a powerful weapon against forces that we are unable to fight on our own. And God, as we enter into this next time in our service, would you help us to focus our worship together on you? In the powerful name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.